So, I must have heard that somewhere before. Could it be from Scripture? I think so. All right. Title for today's sermon, as we continue through the book of James, is Three Principles for Growing in Life, and Jesus is Life. You know, they say wisdom comes with experience, or from experience. Well, I'm on a job site, there's a man named Dwayne. Now, he is a strong man, and he was bragging that he could outdo anyone in a feat of strength. He made a special case of making fun of one of the older workmen, George. And after several minutes, George had had as much as he was willing to take. I kind of imagine George as some, some of our folks here, uh, uh, specifically John, but uh, in my mind. He said, okay, Dwayne, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? He stated thoughtfully, I will bet a week's wages that I can haul something in a wheelbarrow over to that outbuilding that you won't be able to wheel back. Dwayne said, you're an old man, the bragger replied. He was smirking. Let's see what you got. George, the older fellow, reached out and grabbed the wheelbarrow by the handles. Then nodding to Dwayne, he said, all right, get in. <laughs> I could see John doing something like that. That's why I said that. <laughs> so today we're back in the uh, <clears throat> book of James. And it was written by the half-brother of Jesus, the son of Joseph and Mary, written in the early 40s A.D. Uh, he wrote to primarily Jews who were the Christians at this time, as it hadn't been widely accepted amongst the non-Jews, also known as Gentiles. James chapter 3, verse 13 through 18 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we are gathered here, not for our own sakes per se, Lord, but we're here to worship you. And God, everything in this service, Lord, we've tried our best to worship you with what we've got. God, we thank you that this is the part of the service where you speak to us directly from your word, that we may apply it, that we may take it with us. Holy Spirit, bring it to our remembrance when needed, because it is your word that is needed. And God, we praise you and we thank you for those that are being called here, for those that are here. We pray for those that aren't here yet, Lord. We ask that you bring them in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Lord, we ask that you bring them in, that they may add their abilities to our congregation, to our church, 
that may be a part of the body in reaching the lost. Because that's what it's all about. Otherwise, there's no reason for us to be here. We thank you for that, God. In Jesus' name, I ask that you would use me in spite of myself. Amen. To live a truly God-honoring life, you must seek godly wisdom. Get rid of selfishness and be a peacemaker. First of all, we need to seek godly wisdom. Let's look at verses 13 and 14 again real quick. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Now, in my study, I liked how this passage of Scripture came out in the New Living Translation. So I'm going to read that real quick for you. It'll also be on the screen. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. How many people have you met like that? After what James had just written before this, he speaks on wisdom. James is not changing directions here. Rather, this is a natural outflow from what he spoke about before. We've just talked about the tongue last week and how it can lead us. Now we're talking about our wisdom in speech, which flows to our actions. How many people will step up and say that they are wise? Not many. Not many. Why is that? Because we all have this image of an old white guy with a long beard living in a seclusion on a high mountain as a wise man. Or maybe some guy who lives in India in a small village in monk's robes constantly meditating, right? That's wrong. That is not what wisdom is. It's nowhere near it. The Greek word for wisdom here can be translated as prudent understanding as well as wise. I do not understand everything. Did you know that? Y'all didn't know I don't understand everything, right? That's good. Neither do you. Did you know that? Good. Guess what? I got a newsflash for you. I am not a mechanic. I know just enough about cars to break one. And possibly get on YouTube to try to figure out how to fix it or replace something. And, uh, and then I end up calling mechanic anyway. Why? Because they have the understanding or the wisdom of how that stuff works. I don't. Wisdom is about understanding and then taking that knowledge and putting it into practice. Wisdom is about understanding and then taking that knowledge and putting it into practice. James 3.13 says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. He starts with, if you are wise. In other words, if you think you have an understanding of God's word and how moral and ethical decisions should be made, go ahead, prove that to us. How? By carrying out what you think you know. If I'm having trouble with my marriage, I'm not going to the newlyweds. 
If I'm having trouble with my computer, I'm not going to the carpenter. If I have brain cancer that needs removed, I'm not going to the tax accountant. Why? Because they're not wise in those areas that I need wisdom. So when I look at people's lives and how they apply God's word, I'm not going to anyone who's outside of the faith. Anyone who is a novice in the word or anyone whose life does not line up with God's word. Am I looking for someone who's perfect? Well, obviously no, because there's no one perfect. Am I looking for the one who seems to be walking pretty close to the Lord? Yeah. Now, is that always a pastor or a deacon? No, but it should be. Unfortunately, in a lot of churches, it's not. I've seen some deacons which I wouldn't trust to watch my food for five minutes and don't understand how they're deacons. I've seen some pastors who were so hypocritical, it scares me. I heard of a pastor right here in Lake County. Oh, he didn't just cheat on his wife, but he he moved the girlfriend into the parsonage and the church was okay with it. Know the saddest part about that whole story? The church was okay with it. Folks, that's not a pastor. He's a guy filling a pulpit who has disqualified himself from ever being a pastor again. 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. This is a trustworthy saying. If, in, if someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position. So a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? A church leader must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. The last phrase in our main verse, verse 13 says, By doing good works done in humility. By doing good works done in humility. You know, humility is also translated as meekness. For those of us who have the New King James Version, it says meekness. Now, we said a couple of weeks ago that meekness is not weakness, but it is power under control. Romans 12, 3 says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now, I've met people who think of themselves way more highly than they ought to think. I've also met people that think of themselves way much lower than they should think. And both of them are wrong. How do we make sure that our works, our good deeds, are done in meekness and God's wisdom? Well, the answer is very simple. Carrying it out. Now, that's another matter entirely. Well, the first part is pray and study the Word of God. Pray and study the Word of God. That sounds real easy, doesn't it? But have you ever tried to sit down, if you're like me, to pray and study God's word, I will tell you everything will just break loose. 
everything. Especially if you got children. You haven't seen them all day long and you sit down to pray and study the Word of God, they're right there in your face. Well, hello, child. Where'd you come from? John 6.35 says, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. That is a promise. So how do we do that? How do we get that? Check out the following verses. First of all, we know one thing. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is our Savior, and He is called the Word. John 1.1 says, In the beginning the Word already existed. I like how the New Living Translation puts that. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. And God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Amen on that one. Skip down to verse 14. It says, So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And John testified about Him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for He existed long before me. From His abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. What does all that mean? You want to know Jesus? Study his word. Study his word. Ephesians 5.26 says, To make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's Word. He did this to present her to Himself as a glorious church, without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. God's Word. We're supposed to be in constant prayer as well. Number two, constant prayer. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So what could stop us from receiving God's wisdom? What could possibly get us into a a perverse understanding of things? Well, when we go back to the book of James, James chapter 3 verse 14, but if you have bitter envy, Self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Lie against the truth. If you say that you have understanding of how to live life, of how to do things, but you have bitter envy towards someone, then you don't have God's wisdom, do you? If you say, how come God has blessed this person and not me? In your heart, or if you're envious of what someone has to the point of bitterness over it or over someone, then you don't have 
God's wisdom. If your actions are self-seeking, self-serving, and all about you, then you don't have God's wisdom in your life and your actions. You have something twisted in you, and you need to repent and allow healing to come. Oftentimes, people in this condition may not even know it. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. If you do, I'm going to warn you, be ready for some harsh truths. Because He's going to tell you. Don't ever ask God to reveal something to you unless you're ready for it. And a lot of times when you think you're ready, you're really not. It'll bring you to your knees. But it is better to repent than be a boaster and a liar against the truth. The truth, you are not what you claim to be. That you are perverse in your thinking and even in your so-called good works are tainted. Is this you today? Then it's time to repent. Easy. Turn away from the sin. Ask God to cleanse you and do the works worthy of repentance as was told to the early believers. Acts 26.20 out of the Christian Standard Bible says it this way. Instead, I preached to those in Damascus first and to those in Jerusalem and all the region of Judea and to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works worthy of repentance. I like that phrase, worthy of repentance. Being saved makes you worthy to do the good works of God. Oh God, I pray that we are worthy today. Number two, get rid of selfishness. Get rid of selfishness. James 3, 15 and 16, This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For when envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. The NLT says it this way, For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. The wisdom that becomes perverse in a person's heart does not come from God. But guess what? It is earthly. It comes from what we call the flesh. And is, and is, and is sensual. And it is even demonic. In America today, we have a lot of preachers who think they're right, yet they teach and they preach heresy. Now, a good example of this is the name it, claim it gospel, which is no gospel at all. It's about selfishness and what can I get? This is why it's so popular today with people, because it appeals to our flesh, the sin nature that is in every, each and every one of us. And I don't speak out of a vacuum. I speak out of somebody who has been there and whom God has delivered from this heresy. The sin nature must be resisted. It must be submitted to God, the Holy Spirit. Well, how do we do that? Again, it goes back to prayer and it goes back to study. It goes to crucifying the flesh and its desires, which can only happen through the power of the Holy Spirit, which can only happen through His grace and His mercy. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
Romans 6.6 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. You see, we have been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have been made new. Galatians 5.24 says, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Ephesians 4.22 says that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Colossians 3.5 Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness which is idolatry. Why did I spend so much time on these particular scriptures? Folks, it is of primary importance to the Christian that we put off the old man, which is corrupt, and put on the new man, which we have received at regeneration of salvation. James 3.16 says, For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Jealousy, envy, selfishness, confusion, disorder, chaos, these are all works and results of walking in things that are contrary to God and His will for us. These kinds of things must, be allowed, must not be allowed to happen. They must be put away from us. How do we know someone is in Christ? How do we know someone has given their life to Jesus Christ? We find in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives that you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension and division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Because they are not saved, been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Now he goes on and he says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us also follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Folks, Christianity is not just something you do on Sunday. It's not, I give you this hour, Lord. Because you don't know when the day or time is coming. If you are saved, you want to live the Christian life because you love Jesus. And he has saved you from sin and death. 
Got a little story for you, speaking of self-seeking and selfishness. Since I just stepped on uh, my toes, your toes, and everybody's toes that listens to this. At two in the morning, the phone rang at the governor's mansion. Now, I could not imagine Governor DeSantis getting this kind of call at two in the morning. I'm just telling you. I don't think, uh, I don't think it would be this nice. An aide found himself talking to a local attorney. And he, he, this guy insisted that he must speak to the governor immediately. And despite pleas to postpone his call until morning, the attorney insisted that the call was over a matter of utmost urgency and that he could not wait. And eventually the aide reluctantly decided to wake up the governor. So what is it, grumbled the governor. Judge Cassidy just died, announced the attorney, and I want to take his place. And the governor shot back. It's okay with me if it's okay with the undertaker. (laughs) Selfishness never has a good end, does it? And lastly, be a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker. James chapter 3, verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality. And without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The NLT says it this way, and I think it's, it's a little bit more to the point. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. There's a contrast between earthly, selfish wisdom and pure wisdom. If you look at a list, and you'll find that it's a lot like the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? We're listing the fruit of the Spirit of, of God's wisdom versus the world's wisdom. God's wisdom is pure. It is peaceable. It is gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy. And it does the fruit of good deeds. It does not have favoritism and is always sincere. These are the things that come from God's power. These are the things that come from God the Holy Spirit who lives in the Christian. We can only receive this wisdom by submitting to God and letting the fruit of the Spirit grow to fullness within our thoughts, our speech, and our actions. When we start making God's kind of decisions, then we'll find there will be peace in our thoughts. There will be peace in our speech. and There will be peace in our actions. Proverbs 12.20 says, Deceit fills hearts that are plotting evil. Joy fills hearts that are planning peace. Proverbs 14.30, A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. Now, I don't know about you, but I would rather have peace on the inside of me while the world rages outside of me than to be part of the rage around me. Let me say that again. I would rather have peace inside while the world rages outside rather than be a part of that rage that's going on outside of me. We find that peacemakers were talked about 
And it just reminded me of the Beatitudes. Jesus talked about it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 12. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a high mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And then he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Folks, if you're a Christian and you're a son or a daughter of God, you will be a peacemaker. You will spread the gospel. Peace between God and man. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You cannot have these attitudes. You cannot have these attitudes in you apart from Christ. These attitudes, like the fruit of the Spirit, are produced by our close walk with Christ. By our submission to the Word of God and our willingness to do things the way Christ says to do things. If you want to be a peacemaker and walk in peace, if you're a Christian, then you have to put to death the flesh and submit to God in your thoughts, your speech, and your actions. There's been many times in my career before I was a teacher, I was the only Christian in a shop of about 67, 70 people. I worked for a cable company at that time. Started out as an installer, became a computer technician, moved up from there. But man, it was hard being the only Christian in that organization for a while. I prayed the Lord send Christians and, and I would witness to people. And he eventually did. But let me tell you, the temptation to do things the wrong way is always there. But Lord, if I, if I just cut this corner, I can get done quicker and get off on time. Or I'll be here for two hours replacing a bunch of cable. Guess which one I ended up finally making? Yeah, I spent two and a half hours at, at, at what? This happened to me all the time. So people went, he's either lazy or he's slow. And then they'd get there and they'd go, wow, this is really bad. I see why you're late. This would happen all the time. Folks, Christianity is not something that you put in a box and put on a shelf and take it down when you want to. If you are Jesus's, if you know Him and He knows you, it permeates every part of your life. Every part. Not just some, but all of it. 
To live a life truly God-honoring. To live a truly God-honoring life, you must seek godly wisdom, get rid of selfishness, and be a peacemaker. Show people there is a way to be at peace with God. That's our job. That's our job. But you know what? You can't do any of that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. What do I mean 